Welcome to the Nation version 2.0. It uh, this is Dan, by the way. With me is Robin Callum. So, hey guys, what's going on? Hey, what's happening? So this is going to be a quick one because we have an incredible interview with Bert Cameron. It's kind of a long one, so we're just going to kind of rush through a little bit of stuff here. But the big news is this is show number six. Ding 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 ding. Shabow. Guess what that means. It means you guys are buying supper. Oh. <laughs> it means that today is the day where everyone will get an opportunity to win a set of Maverick Blades. That's right. Keep your ears peeled. Keep We're your ears peeled. Sound, and then uh, when you hear the secret sound, then you gotta you have already. You, well, you gotta have liked us on Facebook at some point. But uh, when you hear the secret sound, when you're hearing the podcast, just kick us off an email with what the secret sound says, and then we'll. We'll draw from a hat. I think we're going to have my uh, my son draw. He's uh, yes. uh, going to do the drawing for the winner. So, yep. Look for the winner will be announced on next week's show because we're going to give you guys a week to listen, get that stuff in, get us liked on Facebook page, get us the emails. Because what we'll do is we'll probably just put all those emails on a list, and then we'll come up with a way on the fly to impartially pick one of them. Who knows what it'll be? We'll assign a number to each one, or there'll be an order. Dude, I'm we'll just put, gonna put them. I'm just gonna print all the names out. Yeah. And me and my Simon's only five, and he loves scissors, so we're just gonna cut them all out and put them in a hat, and he's gonna pick one. Nice. There we go. Nice and simple. Yeah. Nice and simple. So good luck to all those uh, who enter, and if you didn't enter, shame, shame, shame. What's been going on this week? How about you, Cal? What have you been up to? Uh, what have I been up to? Um, yeah, I applied for my provisional driving license here in the UK. So Scary. Yeah, kind of, especially what happened when I was about 12 years old. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, yeah, I was, I was in um, Cyprus, and, um, you know, my dad let me drive the Jeep because my sister had a go and she's older than me so of course me being younger I wanted to have a go yeah my dad says he's on the um, the accelerator but no not me I just slammed my foot down and the way where we were <laughs> the jeep was, was kind of like in an embankment so on each side you know, there was a wall of rocks and stuff so we mounted that and went straight up missing these two big boulders and you know it was all crazy and my dad, my dad slammed the handbrake on, and I, I still got my my foot down on the accelerator. And then I, I eventually stop and get out the, the jeep. And the thing is, my mum and my sister was in the back, and it's an open end jeep, so yeah, it was pretty so, funny. So you got this shit eating grin on your face, holding on the steering wheel, like I want to go fast. 
dad would Everybody just else is like, no! <laughs> well, more than that, more like holding on for dear life. Um, yeah, that, that that was fun, and I didn't see a problem. So basically, what you're saying is, uh, Callum's going to be driving, so it's probably best to to walk right down the middle of the road and stay off the sidewalks. Well, you see, the driving. I mean, I don't know what you, I don't know what these cars can do. I'm hoping to like a few pyro flips, you know, a bit of a few TikToks, perhaps, you know. <laughs> stall turns, dude. Stall turns. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, work on your uh, work on your orientations first. Master those. <laughs> there you go. Then move. Wait, and, and obviously, you know, the collective management, you know, and timing exactly. and what and whatnot. You'll get it. You'll get it. I'm sure. <laughs> maybe you should maybe you should try a sim for a while. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Maybe I should. Yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. You know. Yeah. So how about you, Rob? I know you did. Uh, you sent me a message today saying that you had a beautiful flight with the Fusion. Yeah. I did. But you forgot to press record or something? No, well, I I brought the Fusion to work today, and I flew it uh, on my brakes and stuff like that. And the first break I had, I uh, I got this little hat cam, and I strap it to my baseball cap. And I, I set it up, and the light's blinking. It's doing what it's supposed to do. And I fly the flight. It was a great flight. And I go back in, in, uh, in the office, and I hook the camera up to my laptop. No video. I'm like, no. So, but I did it again at lunch, and I got a video. So, and you didn't send me a link? No, not yet. I oh, you bastard! No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't uh, rendered it yet. I so I, I saw some pictures you put on Facebook. Apparently, yeah. you have a large fish living in your office. <laughs> yeah, I brought the the. I got the uh, little swimmers fish. We talked about that on the last show. I got that last night, and I took it down to my local Cub Foods and. Uh, grocery store and I had him fill up the, the fish body with helium. It was like three bucks to fill the thing up. and um, So I went there and I put it all together. Me and my son put it together last night and we're swimming around the house and it's pretty fun. So I was like, well, I'm taking this to work and it was pretty slow today. So here's me flying around this um, you know, giant clownfish you know, through the cube maze and stuff like that. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty good time. What were your coworkers thinking of that? That, that thing's just kind of creepy because you did Skype me and show me the video, and it literally it, looks like a fish. Yeah, swimming through the air. <laughs> it's kind of creepy. Yeah, yeah. No, well, it's kind of funny too because I, I snuck up on one guy. He was on a phone call, and I I'm sure he could hear the sound of the tail motor, you know, because it goes ring, ring, ring as as you're swimming. <laughs> yeah. And I come up over the wall of his cube and swim over the top of his head. Like, <laughs> what is that? They're probably used to you and your. Oh yeah! Oh for sure. If they if people see something out of the ordinary, they're like, oh, that's probably Rob. Yeah, he's at it again. Rob with his toys. Thing and is, stuff. Quick, the ultimate question is, can he do 3D? You know, I think if I uh, if I tape a quarter to its uh, back, I could probably get it to fly upside down. That might work. Okay, so that that has me partially interested then. <laughs> dude, Callum, I I guarantee if you got one of these things, you dude, you'd be flying circuits in your bedroom. You would just sit there on your bed and just fly around in circles with it. It's fun, man. It's pretty fun. Yeah, it's way bigger than I thought, but it's but a good time. But if I wanted to fly circuits in my bedroom, I'd be doing I'd be using an MCPX, and that can do 3D yeah, in like, my. But see, see, Callum, this is the only thing that can swim in the air. It doesn't swim. It 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 uses helium to float in the in the in the, in the, in the, in the, 
It's Stoneman, man. Get down on your knees next to my five-year-old son and then wag the tail back and forth and then look at him and then look back at the fish and then you'll say, yep, it's swimming. Oh, God. Ah! Any other flying in other than the Fusion? Did you get some flights in on the Gowie this week? Um, Yeah, actually, the other day, I, um, man, I don't know. I just felt like, um, I don't know, I felt super locked into the X-5. I haven't flown it in a couple weeks. But I took that and your Fusion over to the park, and I had Simon uh, take his power wheels. We've talked about his power wheels, you know, the light-powered power wheels with the wagon behind it. And He's my heli hauler, and we went down to the park, and um, I played with them in the playground, and then I took the hat cam and did some flights over in the baseball field. And then I took that Gowie X-5 up, and I was locked in. You know, I was just flying well, you know, I... It, uh, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I'm still trying to get used to your helicopter, you know. But um, so I flew yours first, and then I flew mine, and just had a great time, you know. And started to do uh, to, to do a new maneuver that I haven't been able to do before, which is a tail slide. And then at the bottom of it, I'll, I'll bottom out, and then I'll do a pyro flip, climbing pyro flip back up. And I was able to do that with the X5 today for the first time out of the sim. So nice. That was cool. I haven't, uh, this week I haven't done any flying. It's been kind of a not good week here for the home team. Is it going to start raining? Son of a bitch. So anyway, it's starting to rain anyway. It's nothing new around here. It's been raining. That's part of the reason I haven't been flying. But um, uh, I had a cousin pass this week, and I kind of got a little bit of a story that's really funny. And it, it kind of deals with that whole situation. You know, for us, when a family member passes, it... Um, it's kind of a reason for the whole family to kind of circle wagons. We, I mean, we all get together. Considering the circumstances, it's a nice occasion, if that makes sense. Yeah. We we're all together. It's kind of nice. Yep. So we're sitting around 30 or 35 people in this large room, and we're, you know, we, we were right in the obituary, and my aunt, who was kind of in charge of the whole thing, was reading the instructions, and it said, you know, you get three inches of text for whatever the basic price is, and then for every inch it adds more. So she kind of looks at it. She goes, God, what does three inches get you? And one of her sons, my cousin's brother, piped up, somber moment. He says, well, three inches got me four kids. <laughs> <laughs> it was just what the family needed at the time. So, you know, it's... Come as it goes, the circle of life, people come, people go. So yeah. It's just kind of what, you know, you deal with, especially when you're getting to be old like me. I just turned 40. But other than that, the yeah. flying has been very, wow, listen to it come down now. Must sound like I'm in a gunfight. It sounds like you're inside a popcorn machine. It sounds like I'm in, a, in an 18 by 8 foot trailer. That's being rained on. That's being rained on. So, yeah, the flying's been really kind of non-existent with the weather and everything else going on. But this week I'm kind of hoping for some decent weather. It kind of looks like the weather's going to break a little bit. So uh, I see some flying in my very near future. So, like I said, we're going to kind of rush through this. So uh, we're quickly going to go into some news. We'll be right back. News of the day.
Hi, my name's Casey Anthony, and when I listen to RC Heli Nation, it makes me feel like I'm getting away with murder. Anybody know a good nanny? So, guys, the big news story. Well, for me anyway, and I guess Rob's pretty excited about it. You V-Bar guys may not be excited about it, but Beast X has has, uh, teamed up with Horizon, and they have released, well... It's not. Is it, it's not actually released yet. It's not available yet. No, nope, it's, it's on the way. It's, Late November. It's on the way. A Beast X slash RX receiver a- unit, all in one. AR seventy two hundred BX. Oh. Yep. Now what do the V Bar guys gonna say? Nothing. Now they're just gonna focus on the governor function. Yeah. Yeah, that's all they can focus on now. Well, you know, Dan, we were talking before about you wanted to. Uh, um, do your whole fleet with beast decks right and i i remember having a conversation with you i was like you know what just wait i heard yeah i was like i heard some rumors about some sort of hardware change that will make the satellite ports integrated with the unit so maybe just wait before you buy some more well this is way more than i expected you know they they went full bore i mean without even buying satellite receivers this thing does reception all on its own you know it's got the receiver it's got all the pinouts it also has the micro port for the extra satellite um, so you can add the satellite to the outside of it. Um, so all by itself, you can just open the box, plug in your servos, and fly because it does its reception right away. You know, it's got a receiver built right into it, and I think that's pretty awesome. It's full range. Well, and the thing is, you know, full range versus park and all that kind of stuff, all the Spectrum stuff has always had the same amount of range, right? It's just a matter of how much diversity you had so you could get farther out before you had too many shadows, right? Um, so, But anyway, this thing is is already ready to drop, I, I guess the specs say, from 200 to 800 size. So um, that's sweet. Metamucil. <laughs> Got a little. Here's the sound. deal. It, you know, what's that, Callum? That sound effect's getting old. It's not a sound effect, brother. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's for real, yo. It's what they call yeah. part of the course. So, you know, here's here's the thing. And for those of us who have just recently purchased a bunch of BSTEX units, no reason to be sad. It's not a big deal. I mean, you know, we have our units working, and they're working great. Just look at it as, as a, the next helicopter you build. It's just going to be that much cheaper because now you don't have to worry about buying the receiver. And the adapter. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. So, you know, I wouldn't worry about switching all your stuff over oh, if you happen no. to be a B-Stacks user because yeah. it just wouldn't make any sense. Oh, yeah. Unless you have a lot of expendable income and you just want to get rid of it. Maybe well, sell that. Uh, yeah, I guess you could sell the receiver in the B-Stacks and probably buy one. I don't know. Yeah, I suppose you could. Well, I don't know. Some people, it, it, I guess I've, I've been following. There's a, a thread on Helifreak about this new, uh, this new unit. And some people started to get a little spooked like, well, is is you know, Freakware BSTEC support going to go away? Well, of course it's not because there's a lot of people that fly Aerotronics, um, you, you know, uh, Futaba. Exactly. You know, that don't have a Spectrum-based receiver to fly. This is just who they chose to integrate with or whatever. At some point they may have, you know, Futaba functionality or whatever. But right now this is one way to do that all together, you know. But, well, and it, you know what? It just makes sense. If you're trying to get your unit out to the most users – who are you going to go with? Well, right. That's the most units that are out there, yeah. Sure. I mean, no, that's no slight on the others. 
you know, Futaba or Airtronics or any others. I mean, yeah, they're just, they're, they're excellent radios. But the simple matter of fact is there's more Spectrum JR radios out there being used. It just makes sense at this point. That's what I think. What do you think, Callum? Uh. <laughs> uh. Now, you were talking about trying a B-Stack, so maybe... I think... And you it, do use uh, Spectrum Radio. I think it's just Beast X attempts at trying to be V-Bar. And just as integratable as V-Bar. Very unique take. Ah, yes. <laughs> no, no, I, look, I don't know that yet. It's a good thing. Um, um, really, to be honest, I couldn't really give a shit. Um... <laughs> To be frank. Hang on, I gotta let my kitten go and take a poop. Yeah. Okay. There. How's the kitten doing? Good. Yeah. Kitty's doing well. And uh, she's staying for good. We're gonna keep That's it. Good. Callum, you've got some uh, news about another flybarless unit out there. Yeah, it's um, Bison Tiger forward slash Ace. RC, mm-hmm. I think. Um, it looks interesting. Um, one thing that um, caught my eye was the um, the ease of it. I mean, I like the little LED screen, LED screen on the. I just think it looks cool. Um, I think like the little touch thing on the side. Um, it's quite fancy. Um, I have really haven't really looked into it because I only just really found out the other day and I've been busy. So um, mm-hmm. other than that, I think it looks really cool. Um, there actually are some setup videos on um, uh, on YouTube that they've done, so and that gives a good insight into the unit. When you were uh, looking over, did you see a price point or any indication? Yeah, um, it's going to be for the UK around 150 pounds, so it's around about the same price as the Beast X. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, is and, it available um, yet, or is it is yeah, it released? It's, a, it, it's available. It's released and. What's good is that it supports, from out of the box, it supports Futaba S-Bus, standard receiver hookup, uh, and Spectrum satellites. So there's not, you know, unlike the B-Specs, that requires you running a receiver or running a, um, uh, a cable that allows you to hook up two satellites, which I find is quite bad for um, redundancy. Because if that single cable comes undone, you're fucked. Yeah, um, I see the ports on the side of this thing, so, yeah, that's cool. All right, well, guys, like I said, we're just going to kind of rush through it. There's there's possibly a few other news stories out there that we're going to that we brushed over, but we want to give as much time as we can to this incredible interview we had with Burt Cameron. turned out to be quite a bit longer than we planned, but when Burt speaks, uh, you just kind of got to listen, right? So we just listened and kept the tapes rolling. So, here we go, guys. I hope you enjoy. We'll be back on the other side of this interview. Cue the talking parts. Get <laughs> what's talking on there. Rob, Callan, guess who joins us today? Yeah, who's that? Bert Kammerer. Nice. Kammerer. Kammerer? <laughs> You're one of the people who could actually say my name right. Hey, how are you doing, Bert? It's been a long time since you've been on the show. How have you been? Yeah, long time no talk. Everything going and well. How are you guys doing? Doing well. We're doing pretty good. Uh, yeah. 
Callum, you've met. I think we've been. He's been on the show with us in the past when you've been on. Uh, yes. Rob is the new co-host. He's uh, he's kind of he's the local idiot. Really, <laughs> that's what he is. Hey, hey Bert, nice <laughs> to meet you. <laughs> so you are essentially a free agent. For now, yes, which is Very really nice. cool. At least for the time being, it works out really well for the for the purpose of Smack Talk. So I've been kind of chilling, doing a lot of traveling and stuff because I already had many different commitments uh, to go several different places uh, over the last three months or so. And uh, my last trip, I just returned uh, about five days ago from Switzerland for the for the fun fly there. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just taking a little bit of time off, nothing really going on in terms of events or anything like that. Just, just working on a lot of videos and the new DVD project and working on the Orlando helicopter blowout uh, fun fly, which is coming up in a couple of months. And, you know, just to still keeping busy. Very busy. Very busy, regardless of uh, changes, you know. We did talk a little bit about uh, the Smack Talk video last week. I do know that there is a lot of interest in what you and Bobby are doing, and and I think the DVD is a fantastic idea to get that out to people. Yeah, like I was uh, telling you when we spoke briefly last week, uh, it's one of those things where we've always had requests from people to get DVDs out. And, you know, some people suggest that, well, why don't you do a DVD um, and make it downloadable as an ISO file? Well, I thought about it, but it, it really sort of contradicts the whole idea of Smack Talk, which was just to make um, just pure downloadable content via, you know, a regular MP4 file or whatever so you could play it. So the amount of work that it takes to create the DVD, you know, DVD menus and all this kind of stuff would be... A little bit too much to add to every single episode that we release. Right. So with that being said, I figured, well, you know, the DVD is a great, it's sort of a great product for not just the people that are downloading the videos today. You know, some people that already downloaded the videos, they might want to pick up a copy on DVD just because they might want to hang on to it or they might want to, I don't know, just... Just take it with take give it as gifts. To yeah, give it as gifts or play it on their TV. Maybe they're not technically inclined to the point where they know how to take a normal raw file and you know convert it into a dvd playable file so they buy the dvd they play it on their living room or whatever they add it to their dvd collection but it's also intended to target uh, sort of a, a little bit of a different audience you know the the typical guy that you know really doesn't have a lot of knowledge in the rc industry that maybe flies at a small club or in their backyard and then they walk into a local hobby shop and they see the dvd and they think they can you know kind of learn something from it and they pick up a copy so you know it's it's i believe it's geared really more towards a different audience than the than the the hardcore smack talk fans that go to the website and download all the videos all the time so but with with that being said of course the dvd is going to have very similar content and and most of the some of the dvds will be based off of the online content but with some minor changes um you know maybe the 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 uh, the jokes will not be as <laughs> they won't be as yeah <laughs> more you know, PG yeah it'll be a more PG type of stuff yeah definitely and then and then there's plans for the future to do some DVDs that are going to be based on content that is not available online yeah. I don't really want to give it away just yet but maybe towards the end of the show I will give you a hint but awesome. we have some really really cool ideas you know I, I always thought that I I was one of the first people that remember buying the uh that famous dvd that uh 
Alan Zabel was selling um, a while back. I actually, uh, I was friends with the uh, guy that produced that DVD for him. You, you guys probably know what I'm talking about. It was called the Ultimate. What was it called? Ultimate. Ultimate. Three, yeah. Ultimate Guide to 3D I've, or something. I've actually, yeah. Uh, I've actually got that on disc, actually. And you know, and and I remember buying that, and I, I was at the time I was able to do most of the maneuvers and stuff. But I was thinking, well, you know, for somebody that's really getting into 3D, you know, no. I'm not trying to say anything negative about Alan. I mean, Alan is a good friend and all, but the the format of that DVD wasn't really good enough to teach somebody how to do the stuff. Um, I mean, if if you were to watch that and you were at a certain level, yeah, of course you could, you know, play it in slow motion or pause it and go back and kind of watch the stick movements and get ideas and maybe learn the maneuvers. Yeah. But he really wasn't explaining in detail, you know, the bases or the foundations for, for doing those maneuvers. Yeah, like mm-hmm. here's timing, here's here's when you want to start this, and here's where the transition should go, and yeah. Well, yeah, yeah that's a, that's actually, Bert, what I got the most out of watching your Learning to Fly on the uh, the 3D, Learning to Fly the 3D on your uh, Smack Talk was the, the fact that you broke it down into the, you know, inverted hovering, bring it towards you, you know, and then if you, you know, then bring it away from you and then side to side. It really, for those of us who are at a level that aren't quite that advanced, it really helps us understand what we need to strive for so we don't have to backtrack. Yeah, Dad, yeah. so you could get out of the 45 degree hover, right? <laughs> and, and you know what? And, and not only, <laughs> but, but you know, not only that, but also the fact that. You know, a lot of a lot of the people that watched the the DVD with Alan, they they were thrown into all these maneuvers without really thinking. Well, should I really learn this now? You know, and it, and and that was the goal of this Learning 3D series was to teach people sort of like the normal um, progression of their learning curve. You know, you really shouldn't be attempting to do pirouetting globes when you can even hovering vert it. Right. And, you know, I see that all the time. I mean, believe it or not, I see people all the time that, you know, are trying to do these difficult or complicated maneuvers that are 20 steps ahead of their normal learning curve. Yeah, um, that's, I'm, I'm, a, I'm one of those people too, self-confessed, you know, and I've missed some of those fundamentals. And it's, it's nice to see the video series because it, as long as you start from the beginning, by the time you get to the fourth or fifth video, you should, if you've practiced the other stuff, you've got that good base, you know. Exactly. Yeah, I have to admit as well. I mean, I I got bored of practicing the basics. Yeah, I I went in and straight, you know, wanted to learn, you know, pyro flips. So I'm, I'm doing pyro flips in the simulator, but neglected to practice the basics. You know, taken from the simulator, going to the real world, I can do pyro flips. But then when it comes to something basic, I'm all sketching all over the place, and you know, I had to stop and go all the way back, build my foundation up again. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I've never tried to discourage anybody from having some fun and trying to, I don't know, learn something that's beyond their skill set at the time. You know, I don't have anything against, for example, trying pure flips when you can't do all your basics. But as long as you go back to the basics and you know that you have to master those to really get good at the other stuff, then that's all really all that matters. Um, the problem is, you know, the people that are trying to skip ahead of all the basics and learn the advanced stuff. And, you know, a lot of them learn them and a lot of them can do them, but then they have a lot of, as I call them, sort of holes in their flying. You know, if they, if they change, you know, they can only do, say, counterclockwise this thing or clockwise this other thing or, you know, and, and that's when, you know, it, 
and they wonder, well, why am I not advancing anymore? Well, because you really skipped all these steps and now you're kind of stuck and you, you have to go back. And it, it sucks because it takes a lot of discipline to do that stuff. It's not. It does, man. Some of that stuff is boring to practice. But I know for a lot me, of it is. Yeah, I know for me there's some more advanced moves that I can do. But until I went back and actually just forced myself to practice some more of those basics, what I would end up doing is I would do a, in my head, I'm like, oh, that's a really sweet trick. I'd do the trick and then I'd end up pausing out of it like into a hover or something else and then i would do the next trick but going back to some of those basics you know like backwards inverted or whatever it is i'm able to now stitch some of that stuff together with transitions yeah. you know yeah. yeah exactly exactly i mean i'm in, i'm in exactly the same boat i mean i can fly proficiently you know inverted backwards and you know i can do all these maneuvers and i can't even fly back normal or you know normal hovering flying backwards you know i missed out on a lot of basics, I really should have conquered at the beginning, and you know, and if I did that, I would but have been so much better than where I am today. But it's never too late. <laughs> it's yeah, never too yeah. late. It's not. Yeah. It, it's boring. I mean, I, I <laughs> it's not fun because <laughs> you know it, it depends on the person, of course. I mean, it takes some people more work than others, and to go to the flying field and just you know burn or you know either a battery pack or or a full tank of fuel just practicing the same boring stuff it really it takes away the fun from it so i always tell people well look just go to the field and just have some sort of routine like system where you know you go out there and say if you fly five or six flights at least do one or two where you're really practicing the stuff you should be practicing and then do the other four where you're just screwing around having fun and doing your your maneuvers that you shouldn't be doing i mean there's nothing really wrong with doing it just Take the time at least one or two flights when you go out to the flying field and, and practice what you need to practice. That's really all it takes. I mean, your first couple, two, three flights trying something difficult or new, you're absorbing a lot, you're learning a lot, but past that moment, you're not really progressing much. So you kind of have to take a break and go back the next day or the next week or whatever. You're better off doing two flights a day every day than you are doing 20 flights one time a week. You and Bobby just have a great synergy between the two of you. I mean, when I was at the Healthy Pros Fun Fly, Bobby was there. A lot of people were talking about the, the Smack Talk cool. videos. So, hey, Bert, uh, I guess to change the subject a little bit, um, it kind of goes, talks, I guess it kind of leads more into the, I mean, you're, I mean, you're in no doubt a, a fairly advanced pilot, but, uh, and I see that uh, you attended the Alpine Heli Smackdown. I got to ask you a question here. Mm-hmm. Bert, were you, uh, were you, pissed off at your helicopter that's t-rex 700 that you were flying i'm watching this video and it looks to me like you were trying your damnedest to put it through the dirt and the helicopter didn't want to go um yeah it was an excellent flight you know a good save at the end there but uh what was going through your mind man i just you were just flying so aggressive that's really cool uh that's a good question actually i think my my i guess you could say i don't know aggression level or how hard i fly really has a lot to do with how well motivated I am. But when I go to a fun fly, you know, if I have a decent audience and people that really want to see, you know, the goal is to entertain those people. And that's where I really get my adrenaline pumping and I start pushing really hard. And, you know, I also kind of look at, um, you know, the kind of audience that are going to be watching the flight. You know, these guys want it smack down. They didn't care about how technical the flight was how difficult the maneuvers were. 
I mean, if you pay attention to the video, I repeat the same maneuver like 10 times, and there's nothing yeah, really yeah. technical about it. It's very repetitive, very kind of boring. But what makes it cool is the fact that it's very fast, it's very low to the ground, and it's like really, really aggressive. Yeah, so, it's like you're growling at the helicopter the whole time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it really depends on the state of mind and the mood and stuff. You know, I remember, I think when I did, I don't know if you've watched, because there were several flights, but the flight from Saturday is, I think, the probably the best flight I did while I was there. And Yeah, I, I saw remember, that one. And I remember walking to the flight line and just seeing all the people that were had gathered up to, to see me and Tarek. Well, it was probably Tarek, because Tarek was the one uh, that did the flight first, so... Uh, and Tarek is amazing. Every time he goes out to the fly line to fly, he, 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 literally the whole flying field just literally stops flying and goes to that fly station to watch him fly. So he crashed twice in a row. He wasn't feeling well. And then it was my turn to fly. Of course, everybody was still there. So when I look back and I saw all those people, they just want to smack. They didn't want like nice, you know, reversing, pirouetting maneuvers. They wanted just hardcore you know, uh, literally, you know, quarter of an inch off the ground type of stuff. And, and that's what I did for them. So everybody was really happy. So I try to adapt to the audience I have, and I, I try to kind of like go after what they want to see. But it also obviously depends on the motivation and the, you know, how well I feel about, you know, I don't know, the area, the helicopter, how it's tuned, how it's flying. And that yeah. day, everything kind of worked out well for, for that type of flying. You know what I mean? So, yeah, but, totally. But, you know, some other times, you know, I don't feel well or say I'm tired or I didn't sleep well or I had too much too much to drink the night before <laughs> or something. And I go out there to fly and, you know, I can't perform the same way just because I'm not into it. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, it's just and, and I noticed that that happens. You got to keep in mind, I'm not a young kid anymore. That brings up a good point. Uh, Rob and I were just talking about this last night and uh, we've noticed Rob and I collectively noticed that you're flying over the last I don't, I don't really have a time frame in mind, but the last while has really become a lot more aggressive than, I mean, it just, it, it feels like you're really getting locked in and just, just, just tearing the helicopter up. And, you know, you just said you're not a young guy, you know, you're hanging out with these younger guys. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> do you feel that there's a competitive need to show these young guys that you can hang with them? No. And do you think that's why you're flying? Because do you feel your flying has gotten more aggressive over the last year? I think my flying has gotten more aggressive and faster over the last, I would say, year. You know why? Because hmm. I started to fly flabberless exclusively. Ah, yes. And I think that's where you're seeing the difference. Because no matter what you do, no matter what you do, and I'm like more and more convinced every day of this fact. You can't make a flabber helicopter. Well, okay. Uh, we will get to talk about Tarek because you're probably going to say, well, what about Tarek? He flies flybar. But no matter what, you cannot make a flybar helicopter look um, as fast and as aggressive as a flybarless helicopter, uh, as a flybar helicopter. With, with Granted, with this type of flying style. And then, okay, know, so wait a minute, though. What if I were to get a clip of Burt Kammerer a year and a half ago from a 3G video? Where you you felt? I mean, don't, you, don't, don't ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I would want to say the uh, the, the to tell you the answer over a live show. Fair enough. Fair enough. We won't go down that road. <laughs> but, but you know what? The point of that is, I mean, we don't need to go down that road. But the point of that is, is is I actually completely understand what you're saying because if 
if you were to take sound clips of me over the last year and a half talking about fly barless you would you would see kind of a roller coaster yes dan i there was i don't know how many conversations you and i had about i was like come over to this side yeah. like, never never well, well, well see, here, here, here's I, the story let me interrupt you first hold, hold a thought hold a thought real quick if you look at a video if you look at my videos with the 3g um you, you know a lot of them are with like the version one or whatever which yeah. it, it's not it's not a secret that it sucked i mean it, you, you why lie about it it was really a terrible system with that being said, a line has gotten a lot better. The 3GX is a much better system. In my opinion, is it at the level of some of the others? Maybe not. But, you know, again, being fair to a line, they're relatively new in the flabberless world compared to some of these other companies. But what I'm trying to get at is if it depends on the video. There's a video of me flying a T-Rex 600 Nitro, um, and I don't remember the date when it came out, but I was flying the 3G. And I think it was the latest 3G version at the time. So it wasn't version 1. It was a more updated version, version 2 or 3 or whatever, um, where you can clearly see how much faster that thing's moving in relationship to any other T-Rex 600 Nitro video fly bar that I did before. So th there is definitely a, a big difference, you know? Oh, um, yeah. Well, yeah. I agree with that completely. And I think that's exactly the, the, the roller coaster I kind of went through because my first fly bar of the system was the Align 3G, you know? So... I had horrible experience with it. Yeah. And as I've tried these different systems, you know, personally for me, it's fallen on Beast X. I absolutely love these Beast X units. I own several of them. Yeah. 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 And, um, <laughs> well, uh, it's, a just, it's, it's, a, it's a but, great but, system. I, I flew but the, the but, but the point of it is, though, you know, it's just kind of a growing pain. And I think these younger guys, they, they can jump into it quicker and just appreciate it quicker. It took me. It took me a long time to appreciate Flybarless, but I would never go back to Flybar uh, at this I'm, point. I'm with you. I think that uh, I think that especially, and what happened with me is I had been flying Flybar for so long, and it just my first Flybarless experience was with the 3G, and again, it wasn't the best experience, of course. So it was very difficult to just say, "Look, I'm I'm done with the Flybar. This is what what I'm going to do from now on." And I didn't reach that level, uh, sort of a co commitment to flabberless until I started flying the Mikado system. But, yeah. you know, honestly, it's not even a matter of, like, how much faster or quicker the helicopter is with the flabberless uh, or with the lack of a flybar. But also, you have to get used to flying it. You know, back in the day, you know, when I first switched from flybar to flabberless, my flabberless flights weren't that great either because I didn't feel comfortable. So... You know, of course, I was slowing things down and trying to keep sort of felt sort of like on the edge. It didn't feel natural and it didn't I, I wasn't flying to 100 percent of my abilities, of course. With that being said, I think that the improvement you've seen in terms of like the aggression level on the flight and how much faster I'm flying and all that. It's not only the fact that I'm flying flabberless, but it's the fact that I've gotten used to. When I was transitioning to fly barless and Bert, I, I think this is probably similar how you're describing it. I remember some older. There was an older interview with you where the subject, this subject matter came up, and this was back when Flybarless was more or less in its infancy. Mikado was really the only big player. And at the time, you know, admittedly so, you had said that, you know, you, you couldn't see yourself going to native Flybarless anytime soon because you just, I mean, you'd been flying Flybar for so long, and that's how I was too. I was flying Flybar for so long. It was very easy to just feel connected to the helicopter. But, you know, these days with a lot of the new 
um, I guess, the new progression that's coming out of the Mikado, Beast Axe, um, and, and some of the other units. I mean, making that unit allow you to feel more connected to the model is, I think, really what's helping instill confidence in a lot of people. I agree with you 100%. I mean, if it wasn't for Mikado V-Bar version 5.0, um, I would have never switched to Flybarless 100%. Yeah. And when I tried that thing, that was towards the few, last few days of my involvement with the line, and I borrowed a friend of mine's logo um, that had a V-Bar 5.0, and I flew it, and I was like, are you serious? This thing is just awesome. So I remember going and buying a V-Bar to throw on my T-Rex to see how it would fly on the T-Rex. And from that moment on, I was like, God, this thing is just awesome. Um, then I got a, a Logo 600 to you know, play around with as well. And within a month, couple of months, 5.1 came out, which introduced that paddle simulation feature, which yeah. made it even more natural for me. So at that point, I was like, you know what? Like I was in the middle of a transitioning sort of time, I guess you could say, where I was flying the flabberless and I was liking it, but I wasn't yet 100%, you know, tuned. Like, it just still, there was something that still didn't feel 100%. So I remember going back to flybar and just hating the flybar because I had gotten or was starting to get used to, say, doing really big stuff like just big loops and big hurricanes. And where yeah. when I try that with the flybar, I had to like fight it, and it just didn't want to do it. Oh um, yeah, it wants to fall out of the maneuvers and stuff on the flybar. Yeah. Yeah, and then I took, and then I was taking the flybar lesson, trying to do smack, and it really wasn't great at smack. But then I took the flybar and I was doing smack, and it was like awesome at smack. So I was like, ah, sucks. So, but you know, at that point, I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm really kind of half and half right now. But you know, the logical thing is just to stick to the flybar lesson because, you, you know, it's it's a future. It's just it makes sense. Why would you want to go back to you know to the flybar? So. I kept on flying flabberless and and things started to feel a little better and you know my flying evolved not it didn't evolve it just changed my flying style changed a little bit that's interesting people are going flybarless I've already been flybarless and I'm going back to a flybar no doubt well, I will go back to flybarless <laughs> depending on how long you've been flying flybarless but not not and not and haven't flown flybars I can give you an example like yesterday 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 I was at the field, and this buddy of mine brought in his 450, and I'm like, let me fly that thing and kind of remember the old days, and I swear to you, I'm not kidding, I had a very hard time flying that thing. I was <laughs> afraid to bring it below, like, head level, and, like, I was terrified. It just felt, it felt like I had to constantly fight it for everything I was doing. Um, so, yes, the fly bar less spoils you, but then on the other hand, with the fly bar, you're dealing with weird tendencies and interactions that are just that shouldn't happen you know there's no reason why you need to be say feeding left aileron on a climb out because the thing wants to go right all by itself and yeah, just things yeah. like that you know yeah so bert bert do you need a shotgun you should fax some crooked head and crooked <laughs> head will take care of it. i'm in my porch and there's this cute <laughs> Oh no, it's it's not a bother. I just oh. I was a little concerned for your safety because it kind of really sounded like they were getting pissed off at you. Welcome <laughs> <laughs> to your helicopter, yeah. taking for a ride. So I want to talk a little bit about that um, that goblin flight you had. You know, everyone the goblin is the rage. Everybody's talking about the goblin right now. You know, it's the it's the new. I was I know, was terrified to here. fly that thing. Um, I was terrified. Well, really. 
I mean, yeah, you right. to beat the well, shit out of it. To, but if, again, if you look at the flight, I was doing the same thing 150 times because I was so uncomfortable. The thing is awesome. It's just great machine. But yeah. it had a different setup. It had um, all the settings on the flyberless system were completely different than what I normally fly. The tail speed was diff- way different, mm-hmm. like everything. And I was flying a Futaba radio, which I'm not never been comfortable with the grip on the little 8FG. I'm used to the bigger, like, DX8 or DX7S. And well, I'm up- Tarek was trying to teach you how to use the thing, didn't it? Oh, sink yeah. it? <laughs> exactly. Oh, that was hilarious, that was. <laughs> so, they, so we all went to this little field, about five-minute drive from the main Funfly field, just to fly this thing. And the Pitch Brothers and a bunch of other guys were there, and everybody was having fun. And they just literally gave me the transmitter. Hey, you want to fly? I'm like, sure. And then when I look around, I have like four cameras on me. So I'm like, oh, the thing is awesome. I <laughs> Better put a show it. on. I really, really liked it. And and yeah. con- contrary to popular belief, it is a very simple machine. It doesn't have many parts at all. Yeah. It's very simple, yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Really? But um, it was a tail belt, which I wasn't a big fan of. But the way they, they designed it, uh, it has huge pulleys. So the tail belt performed ex- performs exceptionally well i was very impressed the tail was very good it was yeah. lacking some of the stopping power that i'm used to but i know that that's the setting on the flabberless system i know well, sure and, and there's always a nominal amount of rubber band effect on reversals and stuff with a tail yeah. but you can work yeah. with that you know yeah exactly yeah. exactly cool. but it was it was definitely sweet it was a nice machine yeah, those poor packs were. I could tell they were screaming at you at the end of that flight, man. Wow. They they told me they told me that afterwards that the packs were like really really old and tired and that they weren't like. I'm like, okay, well, great. Thanks for giving me your crappy packs. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't really tell while you were flying it though, but. The weekend is a dolphin. What the? <laughs> so where were we at? We were talking about the uh, goblin, and um, you were talking about your flight, and apparently. Towards the end of the flight, you you uh, were talking about the battery, the battery puffing, and, and and of course I yeah. didn't have a timer set up. They had a timer for five minutes, which, you know, that was more intended to to be used if you were to fly it, just basic aerobatic flight, not hard 3D. But um, but uh, you know, right. when when um when we were out there, it, it it was it was a lot of fun because uh, that was probably I don't know. If, the fourth or fifth flight on on uh, on the helicopter for for Tarek and and he was he was getting used to it and he, he was flying the, the crap out of that thing and it's funny because towards the end you, you, I don't know yeah. if you can hear the audio but towards the end you know I was giving him a hard time I'm like you you're being too conservative he's like I really don't want to crash he's like first I have to get more flights like and you know he speaks with his heavy accent I need to get like ten flights or fifteen flights mm-hmm. then I crash. It was, you know, it was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> when you're just, uh, when you're at home flying and just flying for yourself and just kind of relaxing, are you flying a nitro or are you flying both. an electric um, these days? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 them both I really go through, like, periods, you know, like, it depends. Like, before the fun fly, I was flying my electric, like, a lot. Um, now that I got back and stuff, I've been to the field twice and I've taken my nitro with me. So, but I, I try, I, I usually fly the nitro a little bit more just because it gives me more fly time. So, you know, if I want to like test something mm-hmm. for like, um, you know, stress or to see how durable something is, for example, or even blades, I would more than likely fly the electric um, just because it's, it's a lot harder on, on stuff. But, you know, if, if I'm just taking it easy and practicing, I usually go back to the nitro. 
Um, and, and to practice autos and stuff yeah. like that, I always prefer the nitro. You know, I'm kind of gathering that when I was talking with people uh, at your flight level. That seems to be a very common theme. Practice, nitro, yeah. competition. Yeah. And it's almost yeah. like you have to get used to the electric before yeah. you really start flying it as in a comp- competition or even doing a demo because, you know, it, it, it's so different than the nitro. But, but you can do most of your practice and you're flying with the nitro and then kind of like last minute go to the electric and get 10, 15, 10, 15 flights on it just to kind get really used to, used to yeah. it and then go, you know? Another question I've been asking, guys, we had Colin Bell on the other day, and uh, I asked him this as well. And I'm, not that I'm backtracking, but since it's a topic that we've talked about a little bit already and it's one that everybody can see, that Goblin video, when you're flying that helicopter, when you're doing that and you know there's people watching, you know what? Nothing. What is going Zero. through your mind? Nothing. What do you think? It's Zero nothing. You, there's no, there's no, I, I just, man, I just, that's, that's hard for a mere mortal like myself to imagine, I guess is what I'm getting at. Because uh, as I told Colin Bell, I get the puckers four or five times in a five minute flight. What did he you tell know? you? Same I just thing can't I'm imagine doing yeah, that. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Nothing. No, said nothing, nothing going through his mind. He did, he did, he did mention that if he's at a bigger competition, he might get a little bit nervous at first, but as soon as the helicopter's up in the air. Yeah, it's exactly. Just, you know, when you're doing a demo like that place in Switzerland where people are yelling and screaming, yeah, I can hear them yell and scream. So, you know, when I do something really low or whatever, I can hear people in the background. But it's they get tuned out pretty quickly. So I always go back and, like, watch a video, and I'm like, holy crap, I didn't realize these people were going crazy. You know, because, like, yeah. you really, like, zone out, like, completely. So, yeah, kind of have to. I, I got I don't a, know, I got a question to. for you about that, too, Bert. Do the horns bother you you know you're in the middle of doing something the horn goes off and throws you off at all or they're, they're completely tuned out i don't even hear them i don't even hear them. yeah yeah really? yeah huh. i guess you get used to it i don't know well i mean it's like when you're at the local flying field do you really care about who's behind you i don't care about who's behind me but i gotta tell you there's certainly my mind is full of stuff and it's like jesus christ please don't crash <laughs> jesus christ hurry up and get out of that maneuver before you end up on the deck you know that's fun fly well, i guess it was a couple of months back here um a couple hours north of where i live here and and we were doing some flying and we were kind of shooting the shit in the in the pits there before i went out and people were talking about uh you know just joking around with me and i'm you know i'm i, I guess i dub myself a hard sport flyer you know i mean i can mm-hmm. do some 3d moves and but I, 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 I do most of my stuff is just like, you know, fast and big and stuff like that. And I'll bring it mm-hmm. in close up now and then. But one of my buddies, Dave, uh, with anythingheli.com, he was there too. And he was like, all right, you know, show us uh, show us some smack or do this or whatever. And we were just joking around about it. Anyway, I got out there and I was kind of, you know, had my X5 out there and I was thinking, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to try and bang this thing around for a little bit and not put a lot of thought into it. And But one thing that I did notice, because you're talking about being tuned out and stuff is while i was doing that flight i would get into little waves where it would be like that and i would feel a little bit more connected at the time and Uh i did a couple of things where i was bringing it really low like and i i'm not that good at flying low and so this was unusual for me but i was doing tiktoks and the tail was probably about eight nine inches off the ground and in my head i'm like well that's you know i'm impressing myself and i could hear people you know the the murmur people would start to be like oh and then i did this maneuver where um it was kind of like a half pyro uh, flip and then I bounced the skids off the ground and then went back up in the air and everybody's like whoa whoa and in the back of my head I'm you know I was kind of thinking I like say yeah that's you know that's pretty cool you know or whatever and so I I could notice that I was 
allowing myself to feed off of that crowd response. Yeah. You know, but oh, yeah. I ended up crashing that flight because again, doing some TikToks low and I hit the tail or whatever. But it was fine. But it was all in good fun, you know, when I was playing off the crowd and it, it yeah, was. Yeah. Well, you know, you do feed off of the crowd. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it, that's to me, it's always been part of how much I push myself. You know, if I have a good crowd. And they're really like active, and they're yelling and screaming, and they're like looking forward to either seeing a crash or seeing you fly low. Yeah, yeah it, it it pumps me up. It just it's like it gives me that little boost of adrenaline, so I start pushing harder and harder. Yeah. But as I'm flying, you know, I kind of hear them yell or scream or whatever, and it pumps me up even more. But I'm really not thinking about anything. I'm just totally just focusing on what I'm doing. Dan, maybe what you need to do is go to like a private field and have a couple of beers and fly. <laughs> and then and then that way then when you go to like a public fun fly or something then you kind of you're you're <laughs> then you'll be in trouble because then you're gonna kind of miss not having the beer <laughs> <laughs> but that's that does help you know there's in no. the united states you know it's like anything else that there's a lot of uh it's a big taboo to drink and fly and and i don't condone it yeah. I, i'm against it but I also don't believe that having one beer will will hinder your ability Amen, or your reflexes. Uh, yeah. You know, and and to hash up kind of an old topic that we've talked about on this show, when Callum went to his uh, RCHA event in the UK, uh, there were things going on there that would just send the the the, <laughs> the moral police uh, into a tirade. They would be having oh, yeah. strokes well, I mean, because you know, of the, you know how it is, Calman. Like in Europe, like at the Alpine Heli Smackdown. I mean, all those Pitch Brothers guys. Are you kidding me? That all they do is drink beer. That's all yeah. they do. And you can buy beer at the field. I won't elaborate how many I had. <laughs> well, exactly, and that's that's kind of the whole point. But the whole, you know, and they talk. If you went to that or oh, that other forum, or the RCHA forum, the Heliatics forum. They, they would talk about it, and, and they would all be, oh, it was a great fun, and everybody, we had so much fun. But no, you try to post you know that on the USA There was one time forward. when I had a lot to drink, and I was flying, and there's a video of that. And it wasn't a fun fly or anything like that. It was a it was a house, a private house, a backyard, and I was flying a Gowie. This is years ago. I was with a buddy of mine, Craig Martin, and we were in his backyard, and we were just having fun with the Gowies. When the first little guy, yeah. I'm talking about the little 200s or whatever. The like 200, Bert. Yeah, yeah, I got a little something to tell you about that video in a little bit. We'll get to Yeah, that and so, there. you know, we were just drinking beer. You know, we didn't really get wasted. <laughs> but, you know, we had probably three or four beers each. That's it. Enough to get a little bit of a buzz, just a little bit. But, you know, it was a backyard. We're having fun. You know, we're not like yeah. at a big field with there's children mm -hmm. and stuff like that. You know, and I, and I think that it's a general common sense rule. I mean, we're like you said, we're all adults here, so you you, you should be able to know what what your limitations are. Um, yeah. If you don't, just don't. You shouldn't right. even exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and actually, I was going to say sometimes, Bert, um, I do have a beer or two when I'm at the field. Sometimes it only takes the one <laughs> you know, beer. I mean, you don't even get the bus. You don't get anything. You just. You, you just get a little bit relaxed, and it just makes a difference. If, you, if you're the type of person yeah. who gets really nervous, it does make a difference. I mean, sometimes I get nervous. I'm not going to deny it, but not to the point where, you know, I, I have a hard time focusing or, or, you know, or where I start thinking about stuff. I usually try to tune it all out. But. Yeah. So real quick, Bert, back to that. Uh, you're talking about that Gowie 200. I got to say, first off, Kudos, man! You flew the hell out of that bird in that video, right? And well, that, that's a pretty small place, you know. 
But I, I wanted to. I just wanted to interject this a little bit, Bert, because I think it's it's very interesting that I'm able to sit here now and do this interview with you, uh, being a co-host on an RC helicopter podcast. Because, and here's why: your video in in Craig's backyard there was the first one that I watched, and that sold me on the hobby, Bert. And I was like, I have to have that helicopter, right? That's and good so to I, know. Yeah, dude. I, and, I'll and tell so you I just a secret after. Thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. You know, can you believe that? It's unbelievable, but can you believe that two other people have told me that about yeah. that video? Well, and, and tell you what, Bert, you know, I that that was the hmm. first collective heli pitch or collective pitch helicopter that I got. That's where I kind of, you know, earned my uh, big boy teeth, if you will, on helicopters and stuff like that. And today, I uh, I work with Jack. We're inside over at Empire. I'm a Gowie oh, field oh. rep. Oh, yeah, oh. and then I, you know, I do this podcast too, and I'm I'm you know I'm pretty heavy in the hobby now, and. It all started by watching you fly the hell out of that that helicopter out in that well, garden. So thanks. Yeah, cool say hi to Jack for me when you see him. Yeah, we'll do. But uh, um, yeah, the, one of the guys that uh, the outrage distributor in Switzerland, um, like his very best buddy, the guy that hangs out with him and goes to fun flies together. He told me the same thing. He's like, I started flying after I watched that video of you flying that little uh, 200 Gowie, and <laughs> yeah. from that point on, I got. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I think it's because probably it was the. The fact that it was uh, taped in a backyard and it, it was like a very casual, you know, it's yeah, like, it's hey, there's warm. nothing. Yeah, it's not like you have to, you know, I don't know, be this super guy and go to this club and go through this process. It's like, hey, just go buy it and go to your backyard and drink a couple of beers and fly it, you know? I, I think that, I don't know, maybe that was the reason why that video got a couple, two, three people who know, uh, who knows how many people into the hobby. I mean, that, that's awesome. That's, that's the kind of stuff that I enjoy because that's that's what i like is to, it's just to to get people into the hobby because it's just just a great hobby not just for the hobby itself or for all the people that you get to meet and the social oh, yeah. aspect of I it. Agree. Yeah. absolutely mm -hmm. absolutely speaking of people you get to meet we all watched you hang out especially with those last series of videos from switzerland um you know and he's the talk of the town right now everybody loves Tariq's uh flying style and you got to hang out with him quite a bit this past. He's yeah. just, uh, well, we were talking, actually, it's interesting that you're bringing that up because when we're, we were talking about, like, how my flying my flying has changed or whatever and how I was telling you how flybar versus flabberless were flabberless is faster and all this stuff. Um, mm -hmm. and, I, and I was going to, and I made a comment to you that, you know, that doesn't really apply much to Tarek. Well, it, it's, it's the, the, the flying style um, that he has is unlike any other flying style that I've seen yet. Um, and it's really cool because um, if you really pay close attention to his videos, he his movements are so, uh, I guess you can't say the word jerky because that sounds bad. But you know what I mean, like so sudden and so um, violent yeah. and almost to the point where they kind of look robotic. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what creates mm -hmm. the the... Um, the wow factor uh, on his flights. If you pay attention, he doesn't really, his, his helicopter doesn't move fast through the air. Um, you know, nope. he doesn't use a lot of fast collective stuff like I do. I do a lot of collective stuff. He does more cyclic and tail stuff. And it's um, short. The maneuvers are short. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And all his maneuvers are very snappy, very short, very quick. And he immediately goes to another maneuver. And the next maneuver is, again, very short, very snappy goes to the next and it's just it, it's just a very uh, i mean there's absolutely nobody out there that can um touch him at least today 
when it comes to the, the wild factor of his flying style. And that's why I think that um, his, uh, his preferred helicopter is a Flybart helicopter because the, the, the Flybartless helicopter really doesn't lend itself to, to that kind of flying. It really, really doesn't. You yeah, know, the, the beginning of the starting and stopping the maneuver snap that you get out of the flybar, that's kind of a spring snap that you can pull out of it. Yeah, exactly. And if you pay attention, he never really ever goes big. Um, you know, very, very rarely. Mm -hmm. I mean, he always keeps that helicopter in, you know, to be realistic, I don't know, maybe a, maybe a 100-foot wide box by, I don't yeah, know, if, 50 if to 100 that. foot deep. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, and, you know, we... we we arrived. I arrived um, in Switzerland uh, Thursday afternoon, and I went to the airport to pick him up. And Friday, we were flying at a field in Zurich, like three hours away from the Funfly site. And we spent a day there at a private field flying and stuff and hanging out. And uh, I was just giving him a hard time, sort of like pushing him to, to go bigger and stuff and to do some technical stuff. And he, he can actually do it. He can do it really well. And a lot of people say, well, he can only do this type of flying. No, he can, trust me, he can open it up and he can do other things. But that's what he likes to do. That's yeah, what yeah. it's a kick out of. And he enjoys mm -hmm. that. Of course. Yeah, I, no, I was going to say, I got to say something else that I've noticed about this guy. And I'm sure other people, it's, it, you probably do the same thing. But he's just super cavalier about flying in close proximity to stationary objects without hitting them. <laughs> <laughs> he is, yeah, he is. He's, he's quite a character because one of the contributing factors for him to be such a good pilot also has to do with the fact that he doesn't really have to work on his helicopters yeah yeah and and, and you know a, a lot of people mm -hmm. think well you know you're a sponsored pilot you get everything for free well yes i've been with companies where i've get i, I don't pay for anything whatsoever but just the pure thought of having to spend the next three four hours Fixing a crash, yeah, it sucks, you know, especially when you crash two, three in a row. You know, Tarek doesn't have that problem. I mean, he, Saturday at the fun fly, he, 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 when he wanted to fly, he wasn't feeling well, and he really didn't want to fly, but people wanted to watch him, so he went and flew, and he literally crashed two in a row, back to back. And, you know, the next day, he gets up in the morning, he goes to the field, and his helicopters are fixed for him. He doesn't have to wrench. He doesn't have to touch the helicopter, so... It would be nice mm. to have that, you know. It would yeah, if that yeah. gives you the ability to not only practice hard, but to, to just just basically try anything you want to try, and not have to worry about it. Um, well, you know, from my perspective, uh, there's no denying the guy's got amazing talent. But frankly, me, I I have a hard time on video. Maybe in person it'd be different, but on video, I have a hard time focusing through a whole turkey video. Does that sound bad? Because I don't mean it bad. I just, I can't, I find it. Uh... I think that, you know, and, and not to undermine his ability. I mean, he, like I said, he's, I wish I had the, the, some of the, the skill that he has. But, but I think that when, you, when, you, when you're doing a demo or, or a flight or recording a video of you flying, I think that if, if you do the same thing over and over again, it doesn't even have to be the same maneuver, but if you, you know, have sort of the same flying style time and time again. It becomes sort of monotonous, and it gets a little boring. And, you know, actually, mm -hmm. that's one of the things I was talking about on one of the Smack Talk videos when we were talking about, like, uh, uh, I think there was an episode called Sport Pilot to 3D Maniac, and Bobby and I were giving people some tips on, you know, how to advance in their flying. It's one of the things that I actually talked about was, 
um, trying to break the flight up. Like if, if you're doing smack, you know, do smack for a minute or two and then break it up and go super high or something. And, you know, sort of Curtis style, you know, into the clouds type of stuff. And then, and then from there, go big and then bring it mm -hmm. back down on the deck and then speed it up and slow it down. I think you have to introduce, introduce variety, sort of like, you know, selection of different stuff, not just, not just the moves, but the, the mood of the flight. Um, oh, sure. Otherwise, it, it gets monotonous and it gets a little boring. Um, and I think that's probably what, what's happening to you when you watch his flights. Because his flight, you, you know, he's doing a lot of yeah. different maneuvers. And he's not repeating a lot of stuff, but he's doing, you know, it's the same style the whole time. You know, it's this little box, you know, on the deck the mm -hmm. whole time. So to some people, that's just not very uh, entertaining, I guess you could say. It Dude, I tell you what, if that guy keeps it up, he's you gonna know, be the first casualty in the RC helicopter industry to get carpal tunnel in his thumb joints. He's gonna need cortisol, cortisone shots here soon. I don't think he will, because of the way he holds his transmitter. He barely yeah. puts any, he barely puts any pressure on the sticks. I could not believe it. Like he, he just, you could walk up to him while he's flying. You can grab the radio from underneath his hands, and it'll, you'll pull it away from him very easily. <laughs> which is a scary thought i was like uh dude you must start with like the stick at the tip of your thumb and by the end of the the flight your the stick is at the bottom of your thumb probably you know because the, <laughs> right? the, no, the stick is not sharp and he's not putting any pressure on it i don't know how he can do it i always push down on my sticks because i'm a thumber so i don't i don't know <laughs> but yeah. uh, but he's a, he's a great guy um very down to earth you know he comes from a very wealthy family in the uae and stuff and and uh, and regardless of that, he's he's a very humble guy, a very very nice guy, helps everybody, very down to earth. It's it's a blast to hang out with him. Very funny dude. We really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and kind of give us a lowdown of what you've been up to. Look forward to yeah. having you on the Thank show you, again uh, in the future. It's always a pleasure. It's been a long time. Thank you for yeah. having me. So so the DVD, Bert Camera. What do you think? I'm looking forward to having that thing. Uh, dude, I thought it was pretty sweet, man. I'm yeah, gonna ask, I'm gonna ask him if he can do a laser disc for me. <laughs> do, they, do they make those still? Uh, hey man, my uncle still you're, got you're, a laser disc. You're back. talking about one of those big old 14 inch laser discs, right? The Uber Platter, yeah man. Oh yeah. You know, you know where like you got a copy of Jaws and you got two laser discs, so like four times during the movie you gotta s sit up to flip it <laughs> over or put the new disc in and flip that one over. And oh yeah, man. That reminds me of a movie, one of my favorite movies, SLC Punk. There's a scene where, you know, it was back in the 80s when they first came out. And uh, I can't remember that Austrian guy that plays Twager, Zal, what the hell? God, what the hell is that guy's name? But anyway, I don't know. in the middle of the, uh, in the you know, he, he's talking about, he's this rich guy, and he's showing out these, these little punks, these, these poor punks, all this cool stuff he's got. And he picks up this big laser disc, and he goes, there's a movie in there. <laughs> it's all on top of it so the blade giveaway we're not going to tell you what the magic word is phrase magic phrase because you should have already heard it by now you should have already heard it by now and if you didn't hit that little rewind button and Boom. go back check it out again yep uh good luck to whoever, whoever i don't know how it. you could have missed it uh, yeah <laughs> so, but it's there i mean it's, it's blatantly obvious you, you can't miss it yeah. So next week, we had a nice long talk with Mike Fortin. Very polarizing dude. A lot of people 
see him in a negative light. A lot of, a lot of, it's got a lot of people that really, really like him. Yeah. I would say we didn't pull any punches. I mean, it wasn't a, it's not a fluff piece. Let's put it that way. But he came across, I really, I mean, he was really genuine and he didn't avoid any of the questions and he just kind of told us the way he thinks it is. So I was impressed. And I think you, I think you guys will be as well. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. I liked, uh, I liked hearing about the wall of barf. Yeah. Can't wait to see that in person. And of course, Pinion. Pinion's going to be in on that interview. Yeah. He, he, uh, you've always got to enjoy the commentary from Pinion. And uh, wait till you hear about this uh, wall of barf. It's incredible. <laughs> Need, needless to say, we uh, we need to get a picture of that because it needs to be exposed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's Mike Fortin's dirty little secret. It's got to come out. We're going to be the TMZ of <laughs> the TMZ. Uh, helicopter world yes. when it comes to Mike Fortin and the wall of barf. I think that uh, – I think, I think he was a pretty genuine guy. So remember, Facebook, like button. It's the only way you're going to win those blades. That's all there is to it. Focus. Focus on the Facebook. Email. DanKRead at MSN.com. Dan at RCHellyNation.com. Either way. You can also reach Rob at... RCHellyNation.com. Very nice. (laughs) (laughs) And he's also got his front porch. You've got to take a look at that front porch. A lot of useful information there. Callum at rchillynation.com. And Callum, what's the uh, URL of your... Rob and I butchered it drastically, I'm sure, the other day when you weren't here. Uh, it is callumhelly.co.uk. You know what? I think I had it right. I don't know. Yeah, well, you're both noobs. Yeah. <laughs> you had the slash org in there. <laughs> That's right, the slash org. What the yeah. fuck? Messed oh, up. yeah. <laughs> slash org dot Mexico City. I mean, you could have... Dot... I mean, yeah. you could have, you could have just looked on profile on RC Heli Nation website. It has it there. Well, you know, we did we did also mention that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about it. We did, but oh, I feel we decided since you were out partying that. Oh yeah, I forgot you you did some recording. I was too busy getting fucked on absinthe. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and next time you fall asleep on our Skype conversation, I'm gonna sharpie your face. And how are you going to manage to do that? A little C dry. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to fax a sharpie to your mom. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You fell asleep on that conversation. Yeah. Where oh. was that? My, uh, I must admit. Do you remember, you remember hey. falling asleep? Yeah, I do. But you know what? You, you said about my mom, and, you know, I don't have a mom. So, you know, me and my dad share yours. Oh. Uh, I see what you did there, champ. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So funny, I farted in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, before this uh, degrades into a horrible, horrible conversation, we will uh, see you guys next week. Look for Mike Fortin and um, enjoy the episode, and we will see you next week. I guess we won't see you, but you will hear us next week. What? I said we'll see you next week, and that's really, really not the, the case, is it? Unless you're Pav. We can oh, see you hell. on the interwebs. <laughs> <laughs> Are you confused, Rob? You're going to have to get the scissors out on this one, Dan, I think. Oh.